Chapter 19 of the Countess of Charny by Alexandre Dumas, translated by Henry L. Williams. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Captain Beausire appears again. After the capture of the Tuileries, a special court was instituted to try cases of theft committed at the palace. Two or three hundred thieves, caught red-handed, had been shot off-hand, but there were as many more who had contrived to hide their acts. Among the number of these sly depredators was Captain Beausire, a corporal of the French guards once on a time, but more conspicuous as a card-sharper for his hand in the plot of robbers by which the court jewellers were nearly defrauded of the celebrated set of diamonds which we have written about under their historic name of the Queen's Necklace. This Beausire had entered the palace but in the rear of the conquerors. He was too full of sense to be among the first where danger lay in taking the lead. It was not his political opinions that carried him into the king's home, to weep over the fall of monarchy or to applaud the triumph of the people. Bless your innocence. No, Captain Beausire came as a mere sightseer, soaring above those human weaknesses known as opinions, and having but one aim in view, to wit, to ascertain whether those who lost a throne might not have lost at the same time some article of value, rather more portable, and easy to put out of sight. To be in harmony with the situation, Beausire had clapped on an enormous red cap, was armed with the largest-sized sabre, and had splashed his shirt-front and hands with blood from the first quite-dead man he stumbled upon. Like the wolf skulking round the edge and the vulture hovering over the battlefield, perhaps taken for having helped in this slaughter, some believed he had been one of the vanquishers. The most did so accept him as they heard him bellow, "'Death to the aristocrats!' and saw him poke under beds, dash open cupboards, and even bureau drawers in order to make sure that no aristocrat had hidden there. However, for the discomfiture of Captain Beausire at this time, a man was present who did not peep under beds or open drawers, but who, having entered while the firing was hot, though he carried no arms with the conquerors, though he did no conquering, walked about with his hands behind his back, as he might have done in a public park on a holiday. Cold and calm in his threadbare but well-brushed black suit, he was content to raise his voice from time to time to say, "'Do not forget, citizens, that you are not to kill women and not to touch the jewels.' He did not seem to feel any right to censor those who were killing men and throwing the furniture out of the windows." At the first glance he had distinguished that Captain Beausire was not one of the storming parties. The consequence was that about half-past nine, Pitou, who had the post of honour, as we know, guarding the main entrance, saw a sort of woe-begone and slender giant stalk toward him from the interior of the palace, who said to him with politeness but also with firmness, as if his mission was to modify disorder with order and temper vengeance with justice, "'Captain, you will see a fellow swagger down the stairs presently, wearing a red cap, swinging a sabre, and making broad gestures. Arrest him, and have your men search him, for he has picked up a case of diamonds.' "'Yes, Master Maillard,' replied Pitou, touching his cap. "'Aha!' 
"'So you know me, my friend,' said the ex-usher of the Châtelet prison. "'I rather think I do know you,' exclaimed Pitou. "'Don't you remember me, Master Maillard? We took the Bastille together.' "'That's very likely.' We also marched to Versailles together in October. I did go there at that time. Of course you did, and the proof is that you shielded the ladies who went to call on the Queen, and you had a duel with a janitor who would not let you go in. Then, for old acquaintance' sake, you will do what I say, eh? That and anything else, all you order, you are a regular patriot, you are. "'I pride myself on it,' replied Maillard, "'and that is why I cannot permit the name we bear to be sullied. "'Attention! This is our man!' "'In fact, at this time, Beausire stamped down the grand stairs, "'waving his large sword and shouting, "'The nation forever!' Pitou made a sign to Maniquet and another, who placed themselves at the door without any parade, and he went to wait for the sham rioter at the foot of the stairs. With a glance, the suspicious character noticed the movements, and as they no doubt disquieted him, he stopped and made a turn to go back as if he had forgotten something. "'Beg pardon, citizen,' said Pitou. "'This is the way out.' "'Oh, is it?' And as the order is to vacate the Tuileries, out you go, if you please. Beausire lifted his head and continued his descent. At the last step he touched his hand to his red cap, and in an emphasized military tone said, I say, brother officer, can a comrade go out or not? You are going out, returned Batou. Only in the first place you must submit to a little formality. Hem, what is it, my handsome captain? You will have to be searched. Search a patriot, a capturer of the tyrant's den, a man who has been exterminating aristocrats? That's the order, so, comrade, since you are a fellow-soldier, said the National Guardsman. "'Stick your big toad-sticker in its sheath, now that all the aristos are slain, and let the search be done in good part, or, if not, I shall be driven to employ force.' "'Force!' said Beausire. "'Ah! You talk in this strain because you have twenty men at your back, my pretty captain, but if you and I were alone together—' "'If we were alone together, citizen—' returned the man from the country, I'd show you what I should do. In this way I should seize your left wrist with my right hand, with my left I should wrench your sabre from your grasp like this, and I should snap it under my foot just like this, as being no longer worthy of handling by an honest man after a thief. Putting into practice the theory he had announced, Pitou disarmed the sham patriot, and, breaking the sword, tossed the hilt afar. "'A thief! I, Captain de Beausire, a thief!' thundered the conqueror in the red cap. "'Search Captain Beausire with the de,' said Pitou, pushing the card sharper into the midst of his men. "'Well, go ahead with your search,' replied the victim of suspicion, 
meekly dropping his arms. They had not needed his permission to proceed with the ferreting, but to the great astonishment of Patou, and especially of Maillard, all their searching was in vain. Whether they turned the pockets inside out, or examined the hems and linings, all they found on the ex-corporal was a pack of playing cards so old that the faces were hardly to be told from the backs, as well as the sum of eleven cents. Petou looked at Maillard, who shrugged his shoulders as much as to say, "'I have missed it somehow, but I do not know what I can do about it now.' "'Go through him again,' said Petou, one of whose principal traits was patience. They tried it again, but the second search was as unfruitful as the former. They only found the same pack of cards and eleven cents. "'Well!' taunted Beausire triumphantly. "'Is a sword still disgraced by having been handled by me?' "'No,' replied Petou. "'And to prove it, if you are not satisfied with the excuses I tender you, one of my men shall lend you his, and I will give you any other satisfaction you may like. Thanks, no, young sir, said the other, drawing himself up to his full height. You acted under orders, and an old veteran like me knows that an order is sacred. Now I beg to remark that Madame de Beausire must be anxious about my long absence, and if I am allowed to retire— "'Go, sir,' responded Petou. "'You are free.' Beausire saluted in a free and easy style and took himself out of the palace. Petou looked round for Maillard, but he was not by. "'I fancy I saw him go up the stairs,' said one of the Haramont men. "'You saw clearly, for he is coming down,' observed Petou. Maillard was in fact descending, and as his long legs took the steps two by two, he was soon on the landing. "'Well, did you find anything?' he inquired. "'No,' rejoined the captain. "'Then I have been luckier than you, for I lighted on the case.' "'So we were wrong, eh?' "'No, we were right.' Maillard opened the case and showed the old setting from which had been prized all the stones. "'Why, uh, what does this mean?' Petou wanted to know. "'That the scamp guessed what might happen, picked out the diamonds, and as he thought the setting would be in his way, he threw it with the case into the closet where I found it.' "'That's clear enough. But what has become of the stones?' He found some means of juggling them away. The trickster. Has he been long gone? inquired Maillard. As you came down, he was passing through the middle yard. Which way did he take? He went toward the waterside. Goodbye, Captain. Are you going after him, Master Maillard? I want to make a thorough job of it, returned the ex-usher and unfolding his long legs like a pair of compasses, he set off in pursuit of Captain Beausire. Petou was thinking the matter over when he recognized the Countess of Charny, and the events occurred which we have related in their proper time and place. Not to mix them up with this present matter, 
we think falls into line here. End of chapter 19. Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia.